Welcome to the Emotional Fortitude Podcast. How to build the emotional fortitude to win in life and in business. No fluff, just real-world results. I'm your host, Ida Marmorani, ex-Israeli Special Forces, former undercover agent, jiu-jitsu black belt, and mindset expert. Welcome to today's episode, everyone. Today, we're joined by my good friend, Dr. Emil. Thank you for being here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. So today, what we're going to be talking about is how to overcome the fear of success, glass ceilings, and basically self-sabotage. So how you can stop holding yourself back when you know you could be doing better. It's a very common phenomenon. And what we're going to be doing is breaking down a case study of a client who wishes to remain anonymous. So we're going to name him Jeff. And we're going to talk about why this happens and the spectrum that it happens on. Like you can be completely paralyzed where you're just self-sabotaging every sales call and just completely like throwing your success away. Or you can be doing it on a micro level where you just keep yourself at a certain level that you don't feel comfortable going beyond that because there's a certain fear there. And we're going to be breaking down the process about how to really overcome this and understand this so that you can really win. So Emil, thank you for being on board, man. I'm looking forward to it. This is a, a big and common problem. And as you say, sometimes it's overt and perhaps ignored. And sometimes you perhaps don't realize that you're doing it. So hopefully this podcast will bring awareness and shine a light on this potentially being the case. Great. And, and I think it's, it's so true what you said. A lot of times people don't, aren't really aware that's what's going on. So, all right, guys. So here's the deal with, uh, with Jeff. Jeff, he already had a high six-figure business. It was doing extremely well. He had very clear product market fit. It was extremely profitable, and he was a solopreneur. And the reality was that he knew that he was sitting on a giant opportunity, and he knew he could be doing a lot more with it, and he wanted to do a lot more with it. He really did. He didn't feel okay with him that he was just holding himself back, but for some reason, he couldn't get himself to make the first hires that he needed to make. And we're going to be breaking down the process of how he was able to overcome that, actually start hiring the right people and really build a team and really start going to the next level. Um, also, for um, privacy reasons, we're not going to share the numbers he got to as we usually do, but I'm, I'm going to assure everyone he's doing very, very well. All right. So, Emil, do you have any comments before we get going, man? Yeah, I suppose we had a, a little bit of a discussion beforehand um, in terms of what was the initial driver for Jeff, because, you know, you told me the numbers and he's doing very well, even before anything yeah. else, like more money than an individual guy could really spend. But what was the reason that he thought I need to do more? So this is, it's such a great question because we can also go very deep on this, honestly, before we even get started anything else. So there's a difference between external drivers and internal drivers on an external level. And he also said this, that like he had more money than he needed for his family, for his hobbies, for travel, for whatever it may be. So on an external level, he was good. So it was hard for him to justify to push through certain things. But when we really dug into it and we figured what does he want from his life, he said his big thing was he wants to feel proud of himself at the end of each week, that he's done something that he's become a better version of himself and he wanted to grow. And so because of that, the, regardless of the fact they had externally enough, he still didn't feel okay with that. And that's what he wanted to overcome. Does that make sense? Yeah, like it was a gap in his potential. He wasn't yes. fulfilling what he knew he could achieve. And that was leaving a hole Yeah, in fulfillment, however you want to put it. Yeah, I think a bigger thing I would say, it's 
we never feel good about ourselves when we know we're succumbing to our fears and we're acting mm. out of fear, not out of place. Cause it's not that he would say, this isn't actually what I want. I don't actually want to grow it, but I feel like I showed the societal pressure. So maybe I should grow. It wasn't that he had something in himself. They really wanted to see how big this thing could go, but he also subconsciously knew that there was a fear there that was stopping him from doing that. And we know that whenever we operate out of fear, it does not feel pleasant. There's something inside us that tells us you're not doing what you know you could be and should be doing for yourself, not for others, but for yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And well, I mean, how does that, or how did that maybe for him manifest? You say it was a subconscious knowledge. It was like, a, uh, like a nagging feeling that there was something missing. Yeah. It's like, uh, if for those of you guys who are listening to the audio, Emil's body language was exactly that. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like icky feeling a little bit that's yeah. not comfortable, that it's weird. You're just something inside you is very uncomfortable. Like there's this a kind of itch where you know this is not right. This is not how things should be. And it's just uncomfortable. Very, various people have various ways where they deal with this. Some people go to all those distractions and devices that we've talked about previously, like going and, you know, wasting time on anything from YouTube to, to food, to drugs, to, for some people, pornography, whatever it may be. For him, it was just getting really obsessed about sports in a way that was already beyond what was enjoyable. It was just an outlet for him just to kind of run away and shy from certain things. Does that make sense? What, watching sports or playing sports? Playing sports. Exercise or? Exercise, oh, yes. Yeah, because it, it was something that he could be involved in and engulfed in more so than anything else. And that way he doesn't have to think about that other stuff. That fear isn't present there because he's already preoccupied with something else. Yeah. Cool. That, I mean, that, that's an interesting and large topic in itself is, it is how we distract ourselves from emotions, how we distract ourselves from feelings. And instead of digging into them through self-reflection, introspection, journaling, whatever it is, we use fixes, you know, as you, all the things you describe yeah. to flood that feeling and try to pretend it isn't there and the danger is yeah, i wouldn't is call it that... fixes though oh no no it doesn't fix it sorry yeah. it just, it, it's a distraction it, <laughs> it literally distracts it. from it's it it's a numbing it numbs it yeah. and the risk with that is that you go through life using these things eventually maybe realizing they don't work trying something else and getting to the end of your life and never actually scratching that itch or hitting that fulfillment and that is that that's not a good place to be that's yeah. a regret, you know? Yeah. And I'll say beyond this, I think whenever people, we all, whenever we all fall into these kind of numbing agents, we know it. We know we're doing something that we're not proud of. And this is exactly what yeah. that case. We know it and it doesn't feel good and it becomes a, kind of becomes this downward spiral almost where we go like deeper, deeper into that negative rabbit hole. But yeah, this is a big topic. Maybe we should do a podcast on that at a later time, <laughs> but to kind of get back to Jeff's case. Um, so basically what was going on with him is that he wanted to grow, but he was more connected to something else. There was a stronger fear there that that's what he actually was connected to. And that's what dictated his actions. And by and large, there's a three, three step process that we're going to go over today on how he was able to overcome that and really start getting going in the right direction. And now he's super happy with himself. He's proud and happy days. So it's going to be a three-step process of one, creating emotional awareness, two, falsifying certain beliefs and seeing if they're actually true. And we're going to explain how you do that. And finally, creating some logical concerns and understanding if some of these things are actually just emotional fears or if they're logical concerns that are valid and seeing what's going on there. And finally, we're going to share kind of the, 
justification, or let's call it some self-BS that a lot of people give themselves an out when they don't want to do something and why there are no degree of difficulty points in life and how that works. Should we get started? Let's do this. Cool. So like we said, there was a desire there. There was a desire and like that he wanted to be proud of himself. And beyond that, he also knew exactly what he needed to do. It was very, very clear. He knew which hires he needed to make. He knew how to hire them, where to find them. He knew what to do. He just wasn't able to do that. So what that signified to me is that there's some kind of emotional block that's stopping him from doing it. And that we have to understand what's going on there. And the way we did that to really kind of understand from a, call like an emotional awareness perspective, what was going on, we just started flushing out a lot of his subconscious related to this stuff. And we finally got to this one big piece where he recognized that he put a ton of pressure on himself. And he had this belief that if he hires a team, he's going to have a lot of stress. And in order to be uh, an effective team leader, he has to be caring. He has to be thoughtful. He has to be aware of all his team members. This list that goes on and on and on and on. Basically, he has to be a more, like way, way above a normal human to make sure that everything doesn't crumble. And it was a couple of those beliefs that were very, very interesting because you could see that he had a ton of pressure around possibly hiring. And what was interesting is that once we started falsifying that, they kind of came apart. Now, are we clear until here, Mel? Yeah. Great. So the way we falsified it is we asked, is this actually true? I know you believe this and there's a fear behind it, but is this actually true? And by true, I mean, where did you learn this? That was the first question we asked. And he said, well, before I was working for a bigger company and before I became, before I started doing my own thing. And I also had a pretty big team and it was very stressful there. And the reality is he had a giant team. Like, I think he had 18 people direct, 18 or 28 people directly underneath him, which is bonkers. Like there's no, there's no hierarchy where that's your work like that. And it created a ton of stress for him. And it was really a traumatic experience. And he also wasn't in charge of saying who he's going to hire and who's going to be part of the team and how it's going to look. And he wasn't actually also leading like the team properly because he was micromanaged by his boss. And there was just a lot of conflict there. And what happened, he associated managing people with tremendously being, it was like being tremendously unhappy because of that previous work environment. Is that clear until now? Yeah. That, and that's, that's really interesting because he probably, he knew obviously that he was super stressed in his previous job and that he was now stressed about hiring, but probably didn't have a crystal clear link that that was the reason this is the case. And that not might not be universally true. Yeah. He had, right. So it's not that he didn't have a crystal clear link. He had zero awareness. That's what was causing that. And I think yeah. it's, it's extremely, extremely common. It's like yeah. usually people do not recognize that certain fears that they have about doing something in their life right now is because they've made a black and white statement that said like when X happened last time, I felt Y and I didn't really enjoy it. So whenever X happens, Y happens. You know, X could have been just one of the many, many factors in that equation. For example, like X wasn't just managing people. X was managing way, way, way too many people. It was about not being able to lead them properly because you don't have clear direction and you have to be micromanaged by somebody who's all over the place. Like, there's a lot of factors in it. I think a big part of falsifying our beliefs is understanding the context of them. Saying like, where did I actually learn this to be true? And is this actually true? Or was this just a situation? Was this a part of a situation? Which is very, very different. 
Yeah. Does that make sense? And in hindsight, it's super obvious. Like, you, you know, yeah. you explain it there and you're like, yeah, no shit. Like, <laughs> I, I can see that that's exactly what happened. But I imagine this, it's very common. Like you say, X caused Y. And over time, that becomes misty. That becomes blurred. That becomes less specific as in there's multiple factors why he's now afraid of hiring but through you know through time and forgetting and whatever else that was just a team is bad that that's the statement yep. that came up which he was probably repeating and this is again another whole podcast on self-talk yeah. and then that became the truth team bad whereas it was time which caused it to be well actually a very large team with no agency mm. to blah 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 whatever else. can i challenge you of course. I'm not sure it was time because I think even like the day after he left that job, he was just like, I do not want to manage people anymore because that was so hectic. I don't think it was the time that caused this kind of blur. I think it's just because in the moment, we have a really hard time understanding what's truly going on. And we make this into this big, big black and white thing. Like when I didn't manage people, I was happy. When yeah. I did manage people, I was unhappy. I think if he actually in that moment in time would have stopped and said, wait, wait, why wasn't I, why was I unhappy? Yeah. Because there were so many people, because it was so chaotic, so on and so on. The time wouldn't have had an impact. It was just that he never really took the time to falsify this and really understand the context of what was going on there. But it's not that he doesn't like managing people. It's not that that's something that he hates. Mm. It's that it was a situation that was terrible for him. And a part, just a part, one part of that situation was managing. It wasn't the whole the situation, just a part mm. of that was managing. So it's not that managing equals bad. So like managing in that situation yeah. is bad. Very different. Very like it's, it's really important that like, this devil is in the details part because if you don't understand that nuance, you just create these fears in your head that are not true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're ultimately saying the same thing, but that's a very that's a very good uh, point to make. For example, if you had spoken to him a week after that and you had done the work, he would have been much more likely to make that connection. Yeah, he's like a week after. A I don't point. want to make that. I don't want to hire a team. He's like, you know, why? Why? Oh, because I've just done it and it was shit. Um, and you know, the strong emotion after leaving that meant that he probably buried it. He probably buried it in sport and a million other things. And then over time, it becomes more of a tenuous link uh, or. A, more blurry link and then when yeah. he does try to recall because i'm sure he has it was like he just i have no idea why i don't want it, to yeah. exactly so point. i think we're that's saying the same point. thing but yeah yeah it's a great point um yeah yeah so that'll be i guess like to those listening in that'll be the step first trying to understand if you have a certain fear or something because you think it's going to be bad you're going to suffer or you're just not going to enjoy it whatever it may be you're going to suffer some pain ask yourself where did you learn this to be true that if you do X, it's going to have this outcome. And then start challenging the context of it. Say, okay, I learned this from back then. Well, is this the exact same situation? Am yeah. I the exact same person? Or is this different? Because if it's different, you can start really challenging that and seeing the context that things are different. You don't have to believe that. It's not the same thing anymore. For, for this, in very practical terms, either write it down or speak to someone. Because I yes. feel if you just try and do that on your own, you know, sitting down in your head, you'll get distracted. You won't go into the details by writing it down. You're kind of creating 
uh, anchors to expand from. So why would I possibly not like having a team? Hmm, when have I had a team in the past? Oh yeah, what was that situation? You're almost like expanding and building as you go or by talking to someone where they will ask the questions because they don't know. They're like, oh, you had, have you had a team in the past? Oh yeah, I did once in this office. Oh, how was that? Like, what was the situation? So then you're, you're kind of bringing yeah. it to the light, bringing it to the fore. But this is an active thing. This will take time. You need to do it. You need to do yeah. the work. And to put this as a, as a very clear thing, like the course that we have linked to the bottom of these podcasts, the Emotional Fortitude course, that's exactly what it does. It helps you clarify these things. Like one of the biggest modules there is the prompts on how to figure this stuff out, how to really falsify it. Um, but to kind of go back to Jeff's example, what we realized that were his big fears about this stuff is that when he has a big team, or when he has a team period, it's going to have internal politics. Um, the personal gain is going to be lesser than the company gain. Like he's going to have to suffer for the company instead of the company serving him in his lifestyle. There's going to be no openness and honesty. He's going to have to coach a lot of people and he's going to have to let certain people go. Because that's how it was in the past. And like, honestly, that does not sound like a pleasant place to be. And I can understand why if somebody has a good enough situation where they're making a lot of money, they wouldn't want to dive back into that. And that's why this was so important that we really have to help them understand that this is not going to be the same when he's doing it on his own, in his own way, at his own speed and doing it for the right reasons. This all makes sense. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> beautiful. So now the next thing we kind of moved into is he was still a bit reluctant, honestly, like, even though we kind of broke this down, he was reluctant to really go into it. And he's a very, very logical person. And he's a very rational person. And he's a engineer, I guess, for, for lack of better word. And we really had to figure out how we can make him see clearly that this is just an emotional fear. He's like, is this just an emotional fear? Like, I don't know. I'm still hesitant. So we separated two things Two we call it, let's call it two, um, two phrases, if you will, there's one, an emotional fear and two, a logical concern. Now, a logical concern is you can say, you know, if we hire beyond seven people or beyond five people, whatever it may be, I'm going to also have to bring on another manager on. These are things that are logical. You can say, say, this happens to everybody else. This is just logical. This is how things work. Or also beyond a certain amount of people, we're going to have to create a certain work culture because we have to be on top of that. And an emotional fear is just like, we're always going to have politics. People aren't going to be honest with each other. And once we did that and we recognized that there weren't a ton of logical concerns and he was able to see the difference, but most of these things are actually emotional fears that kind of gave him the intellectual validation to let go of some of these things. And I think it's a really important exercise to do with yourself when you're afraid of something. Say, what's a logical concern here that is valid and I should listen to it? And what is not? Because once you know you actually should listen to it, what makes sense to listen to and avoid, because it's a logical concern and it's not something you should mess around with, it gives you permission to honestly kind of brush off the rest of the stuff because you can recognize that it's not, it's not valid, let's call it. One of the things I remember from doing the arena with you the way you kind of differentiated the two was, is it universal? Does it apply to other people? Yeah. And you touched on it, but I thought it was so powerful when I heard it that I wanted to bring it to the fore. So the difference between a logical concern and an emotional fear, an emotional fear is irrational and it, it, it only applies in your case. Whereas a logical concern, like if anyone builds a team of more than seven people, they probably need a manager. Whereas the emotional fear would be, there's always politics in a team, which just isn't true. There's, there's plenty yeah. of good examples of teams. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. But it is really important because once you can say, is this something that I just hold to be true for me? This is my belief. Then it might not be a logical concern. But if you say this is true for anybody and everybody in the world, that, that's a logical concern. That's valid. Great. So those were the three things that we did to really, really start helping him let go of this. We brought awareness to it. Then we falsified it. We challenged it. We found that it wasn't true. A lot of these things. And finally, we gave him the intellectual validation of saying, this is not a logical concern. There are some things that are logical concerns, but this isn't one of them. And once we did that, he also was not yet ready to go. <laughs> he still was holding back. And the reason for it was very interesting. He still had a little bit of resistance. And I think what happened is that, like how we said, he knew he wasn't doing things that he was proud of. The, for let's say the past couple of years when this business really took off and he knew I had a bigger opportunity. And one of the ways we all avoid not feeling bad about ourselves is we make justifications. We try to BS ourselves for lack of a better word. We try to give ourselves an easy out to say, oh, this wasn't supposed to be, ah, oh, this is better off this way or whatever it may be. And he decided he's going to tell himself a story and a person saying this, tell himself a story that it's a bigger triumph to grow to a certain point if you're doing it solo. And because he started buying into that story, he still had resistance. And this is a big point that I want to say, like, it happens with a lot of my clients in, in various ways, not in just not hiring or whatever it may be. There are no points, there are no degree of difficulty points in life. If you make things more difficult on yourself, there is no bonus there. If you are lacking a sense of pride or your ego, you want to build it up, doing things just to make it difficult just so it's harder and you can prove that you can do things that are hard is not actually going to serve you in life. Whatever insecurity you have about how you're doing things, about you being good enough, about you being smart enough, that is not the way to try and fill that void. It is just going to make you suffer and it's going to make you exhausted and just perform suboptimally. That's a different issue that you do not try to overcome by making things harder on yourself. Nobody's going to be impressed if you do things the hard way or if you do things alone, nobody's going to say, oh, wow, you're able to do really difficult things. Good for you. No one's going to do that. And I think something that a lot of us need to shed, like myself included, I've had that in the past where I really need to be checked on that. Like you have checked me on that at times, but it's a big, big yeah, thing. Like, I, was, yeah. I didn't want to drop you in it, but yeah. <laughs> but it's true. We've had this we all exact do. conversation. And, like, and that's yeah. something that I've had to realize myself as well. Like, there are no degree of difficulty points in life. This isn't some snowboarding competition where if you do things that are harder, people will cheer for you. And if you have an insecurity around a certain thing, do not think that you making yourself, putting yourself in a more difficult situation is someone going to relieve you of that insecurity once you conquer it. It's just going to make you more exhausted. It's going to probably make you less money in the business and it's going to add friction to your life. And that's it. And I'm saying this to my, yeah. my past self as well and probably my future self as well. Yeah. Um, an interesting way to frame that is if you make things as easy as possible, you will advance further and quicker. And then you will inevitably reach a level of difficulty just by advancing further. So you'll get that. You don't need to arbitrarily add difficulty at your current stage. It will come in the future, but just many steps ahead. So yeah, this is entirely gone. I want to say like beyond that, you shouldn't take pride in doing difficult things. 100%. Just for the sake of doing difficult things. That's a thing. It's yeah. like... If you're, you take pride in doing something that was difficult because it needed to be done, like how we called about logical thing, if it logically needed to be done, you can take pride in it, absolutely. 
like good on you for overcoming certain things. But if you're just doing it mm. for the sake of doing something that's difficult, that is not an intelligent thing to do. You do not go to yeah. the path of most resistance on purpose. Yeah. That is not the smart thing to do. Yeah. And that's what he was doing basically. He created a justification in his head so that he would give himself permission to say, oh, I'm not actually being foolish here. I'm not doing something I shouldn't be doing. It's actually a bigger triumph, yay me. So, so here's a question. Similar to team is bad, where did the solo is better belief come from? Did you dig into that? Was there a root for yeah, it? There's no root. It was just a way for him to justify him not being like when he wasn't feeling good about himself because he knew he should have been hired. He knew that. So this was a story he was kind of made up in his own head to say, this is, oh no, actually mm. I'm okay. I'm not doing something bad. Because we don't like to look yeah. at ourselves and say, oh, I'm doing something bad. I know I should be doing. I'm operating out of fear. So this was a way for him to kind of like work around that and create a psychological crutch. Mm. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm doing things great, actually. It's a really big triumph that I'm doing it alone. This isn't mm. a bad thing. This is a good yeah. thing. And it was obviously- It must have come because, from somewhere, but yeah. You no, know, it was just him telling himself his own story. Because it was just a way for him. It was a coping mechanism, like how we called it a, a numbing agent. It was a way for him to numb that feeling, to tell himself this story. Like when people will say, oh, I actually didn't really want it that bad. No, you did want it that bad. You just held yourself back. Like you see, you're smiling because that, that resonates. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And that's the thing, man. We make up these stories and that's the thing. We can't believe them. And finally, when we really addressed that story and we said, like, is this really true? Is there like to who? To who is it a bigger triumph if you do it solo? Who cares? Is it going to get you more of that feeling that you want of pride? Is it going to get your family more things that you want? Is it going to create a bigger impact on the world with you want with this product? The answer to all those was no. So it was a hard thing for him to let go of that justification. It was a story he was telling him for a while. But once he finally let go of that final kind of like self-talk, the justification, the story, that easy out, that's when he started hiring. And that's when really things started to change and he was able to get everything that he wanted out of the process. And his business is now very, very different. And if I may say, I think that's really the, with him, like he taught me a lot. He taught me that four step. Like before that, I would really just usually take people through the third to the first three steps. But with him, there was still a, a cog in the machine, so to speak. And understanding that sometimes we tell ourselves these stories, this self-talk, this BS, it kind of justifies things. And then we get, we latch onto it. And that's what stops us. And I think it requires a lot of courage to let go of these stories. Because especially if they become a foundational belief to how we operate and how we see the world for a while, letting go of it we're basically letting go of a part of our foundation. It feels a bit shaky, a bit scary. And I think for a lot of people, like if you have this story in your head that you think somehow you're doing it this way or that way, is actually, there's a higher uh, value to it or it's more virtuous, I would challenge that and ask, is this actually true for somebody else? If it wasn't you as a human being with all your insecurities, the things you're trying to prove to others, to yourself and so on and so on, would this be what you recommend somebody else to? And if not, it's probably a story you got to let go of. You know, that's an interesting point because I'm thinking back to the roots of that story. It must have come from somewhere. Maybe he subconsciously saw someone as a child who did something on their own and they admired it. And then over years, they reinforced that belief. So they saw someone who they perceived to be doing things solo and they were like, that's impressive. And, you know, false or, or true or false. So then if you if you say is it better for people to do things solo? He might still say, yeah, it is, but then doesn't know why. It's like, mm. well, because it always has been. Um, 
and this is this is the power of self-talk because a little subconscious seed can can grow if you just let it and never question it and never and never challenged i suppose yeah yeah no i think it's a good point it's an interesting one like i'll be honest from working with him i don't think that was what happened with him but i think it's a great point with what you're saying about to ask like is this why just think of those why 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 is this actually true and also falsifying that yeah cool so this was a big topic I want to talk about because I feel a lot of times people put these glass ceiling on themselves just because they're afraid that if they scale or if they do this, it's going to lead them to suffer. Like from him, it was from being an employee. For other people, it's a past business where like everything was different. The situation was different. The context was different. They were different levels of individuals because they've grown, they've adapted and so on and so on. And I would love for more people to recognize that when they feel like they're hitting this wall, but they know what they should be doing, but they're not doing it, ask themselves, why? What am I afraid of? To honestly like, to step up as an individual and ask yourself, honestly, what am I afraid of here? Not just say, oh, I have a mental block or this or that. Like, be honest, what am I afraid of here? Because once you can take that first step, like honestly, and be a little bit courageous and ask, what am I afraid of? That's when you can start overcoming it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you touched on the analogy, which I love. And yeah, it's the invisible wall, right? The first step is to visualize it, to draw awareness to it. And that is, realizing that you've had this past uh experience which is tainting the current uh your current life yep. and then the next step is to diminish the size of that wall which would be the bit where you kind of falsify that belief and then i suppose the last step realizing or questioning what the fear is maybe in the past the wall had spikes and now you actually need to look and see if it has spikes in this case and it doesn't yep. and then you can step over it climb over it so You've, you've done that, yeah. used that analogy before. I, know, I like it, saying very... like the, you can turn the wall into a little road bump, which is something you need to like hop over. Yeah. It's not a big deal anymore. Like there's still a bit of like, obviously there's still a bit of challenge of growing a team and all that, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be this monstrous wall in front of you. Yeah. I like visual analogies. <laughs> Fair enough. Cool. So thank you, Emil, for doing this episode. I hope you guys got something good from here. And again, what we talked about in the middle of the episode, the micro course we have is specifically for that. It's really about flushing out your subconscious so you can understand what's going on there and see if these walls are actually valid walls or if you need to turn them into small little road bumps that are very visually easy to climb over, as Emil said. Until next time, thank you very much, Emil, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks, guys. One last thing to clarify, guys. If you want to know where the microcourse is, you go to itamarmarani.com slash EF course, or you can find it in the link in the show notes below. Thank you for listening to the Emotional Fortitude Podcast. Please tell a friend if you enjoyed it and found value in it. Three last things before you go, though. If you feel like someone else with your exact skill set and abilities could be accomplishing more than you currently are, that's a mindset and emotional access issue. And here are three ways I'd love to help you conquer any internal limitations, go big, and win. One, three quick ideas Tuesday newsletter. It's a weekly email with three quick ideas around one aspect of elite performance and how to approach it differently to get better and faster results. People say it's the most thought-provoking and impactful two minutes they spend in their inbox each week. It's easy to sign up to and easy to cancel, and you can sign up at edamomryan.com slash three ideas. Two is the Emotional Fortitude Micro Course. It will help you build the emotional fortitude and confidently tackle any goal. It's the complete, nothing-held-back emotional fortitude system in five simple parts, it's all under five minutes each module. See it, use it, and win. And it's completely free at edamarmarani.com slash course. And number three, lastly, if you want to dive in and aggressively level up, 
the Arena Mindset Accelerator might be for you. It's a six-week intense sprint for entrepreneurs who are up for a dramatic transformation. It's an interactive live program where you'll be working with me in a very hands-on way to get clarity on what you want, build an effective mindset to optimize for your goals, and establish elite emotional fortitude that would allow you to overcome any fear or doubt that could get in your way. You can learn more at itamarmorani.com slash accelerator. You can find all of these links in the show notes below or go to itamarmorani.com and have a look around. Until next time, who dares wins.